Good morning, everyone watching live on BAM YouTube. Let me know in the comments where you are tuning in live from. The hot sheet covers what you need to know about the real estate industry in a 24-hour time period. And on today's hot sheet, I will discuss whether we ever get back to normal inventory levels, delinquency indicators different from what we talked about yesterday, the top five global markets right now, and updates from the Fed. Today is Friday, March 3rd, 2023. I am Byron Lazine, and the hot sheet starts now. Okay, update from yesterday's hot sheet. And, and thank you guys. It, it was a really well received hot sheet. It did numbers here on the BAM YouTube channel. Make sure that you are subscribed so you don't miss anything. A lot of people enjoyed it. I thought it was the worst hot sheet ever due to the technical difficulties. I saw Mark Davison in the chat saying, don't worry about that. Lighten up, Byron. Uh, over here at BAM, we are charging forward, trying to make this thing better every single day. And Bobby did a little research. Our lead producer here at BAM uh, did some researching yesterday because he didn't want to have this issue today. And right before the show, my iPad, which is uh, what I run the switcher from when I'm showing all of the slides, the iPad did this, this update. Okay. And it's now automatically defaulting to having to go in there every single day and do mirror imaging with the switcher. He, he explains it better than I do. There's some type of a screen set up. Anyways, I'm going to have to do this manually every single day. There's no way to switch it back. So thank you, Apple for almost ruining the hot sheet, but thank you guys all for, for tuning in and continuing to share it. Hit the thumbs up. It's the best way to support the show. Also in the comments, we're going to be going out to Portland turn on event, thousand Watts turn on event in just a couple of weeks, uh, the end of March. And I don't know if there's still tickets left, Bobby, if you can put, uh, the BAM code for turn on down in the description, I'd appreciate that. Or maybe throw them in the comments and the description, throw them both places. When we go out to this event, we're going to be recording how we do the physical setup for the podcast studio on the road. We're going to be recording this entire thing. So let me know in the comments if you're interested in that. We're going to be live streaming from that event, doing the hot sheet from there as well. I see Jersey in the chat. Uh, by the way, the event's out in Portland. I see Mark in here. Can't wait to visit Portland for the first time, Alabama, a whole bunch of places. I love it. And let's jump right into it. Real estate agents wonder if inventory levels will ever return to normal reading from housing wire. Inventory continues to fall nationwide despite the onset of the typical spring selling season. We're into March right now. Typically, what we would see is inventory rising in February. That's pre-pandemic stuff, right? Let me know in the comments if you see right now inventory continuing to drop like it in your market, like it has nationwide. We're at the second lowest inventory level of the last 25 plus years, last year being the lowest. Okay. Typically we would see these inventory uh, levels already rise. Last week they dropped again. We're all hopeful right now that we see them go up in March, but there's not a lot of indicators that suggest that they will. W what are some people saying? Mark Simonson, president of Altos Research, says, my expectation is that if rates stay higher in the sixes or sevens, we hit over seven yesterday for the first time since last year, for a few years. Okay, so he's saying it, it would be 
interest rates in the sixes or sevens for a few years. Then over that time, he says, we will get a bit more inventory each year and we'll work our way back to normal. So I guess what Mike's saying is if Fannie Mae is right, if Mortgage Banker Association is right, and we end the year with a five handle on the 30-year fixed, most banks are saying we're going to end 2023 with a 5% interest rate, high fives, okay, a five handle on the 30-year fixed rate. He's saying that we probably won't get back to inventory levels, if I'm reading this correctly, because he's saying if we had sixes or sevens on the 30-year fixed for a few years, that over time, that would create more inventory. Okay, we know that every time we go back into the fives, like we saw that trend in January going back and we hit 5.99 for that one Thursday in early February. We know that when we see the declining 30-year fixed, that activity starts to go up. And we know that every time we come back and hit seven, activity starts to withdraw again. So he thinks we need a prolonged withdrawal of activity, sixes and sevens, on the interest rate to get this activity back to normal. Very interesting. He's got a lot of data and uh, certainly appreciate what his thoughts are. Todd Alperine, a Better Homes and Garden real estate uh, agent, okay, says this. I don't see a big push of inventory coming onto the market because many potential sellers are having second thoughts about selling. Yeah, it makes sense. We said yesterday on the hot sheet, if you missed it, you can go check it out, that 99% of people with a mortgage right now, 99% are below where it is today. They're below 7%. So that creates a holdup in inventory for sure. So many people went and refinanced when the mortgage rates were in the 2 to 3% range, and they don't want to lose that lower interest rate by moving into another property. Okay, we're, we've got this stalemate going on. Uh, Megan Fox, a compass agent, not the Megan Fox uh, on TV, or maybe it is. I don't know. I, I actually didn't verify. Maybe Megan, Me Megan Fox is now with compass. I, I don't know. But a Megan Fox, compass agent, inventory is really holding the market back from returning to a more pre-pandemic normal. It's going to be a uh, a bumpy road here moving forward before we get back to inventory levels. Here's what I think things are going to look like if we just base this off of history, okay? And you can get all of our daily downloads in the link below. All right, so we're going all the way back to 1968 to today. This is existing home sales, okay? Every time we see one of these dramatic, sharp increases in home sales, okay? What we see is following it, and this is just home sales. This is not prices. This is total sales, okay? So let's be clear on that. Uh, every time we see this huge jump up in home sales, we see these sharp declines, here in the early 80s, we actually saw a double dip in declining home sales. Okay, what did we see during the great financial crisis? We saw a sharp increase here. And once again, a sharp decline followed by a double dip or a double bottoming out of total home sales. Okay. Uh, if we're going to see the same thing here, here's our 
uh, this this doesn't count, right? This is COVID, this, this decline. Uh, the world stopped for about three months. But if we take this sharp increase right here, now we're on our first decline. We could see something similar to what we've seen in the past, right? If, if history is an indicator where we see a pop up and another drop down. Okay, that's on total sales, okay? So if we're going to be in a one-year, two-year time frame where we're potentially going to see less sales throughout 2023 and maybe into 2024, okay? What is going to actually, less sales makes sense because like we just, like the comment from, uh, from the gentleman from Better Homes and Garden, we've got a lot of people that just don't want to make that move. They're going to stay in their home. That's going to be these less sales isn't only an indicator of less demand. We are seeing demand drop. Okay. Less sales also means that people are just staying put. Okay. So the expectation is we're going to have less sales in 2023, 2024. And I believe it's going to be large part due to this lack of inventory coming onto the market. And then what inventory do we have? I just, I was on Jeremy Knight's live stream last night. He does an Austin, Texas live stream. A lot of local people come into that live stream here, here on YouTube, local people for that market, for that Austin, Texas uh, market. And we're talking about inventory. Austin, Texas is one of those markets where we've actually seen home prices drop significantly in comparison to all other markets in the country. If you're uh, in Texas, let me know what you're seeing in, in Austin or, or in your, your market on home prices, right? So we've seen home prices drop <clears throat> still at a uh, inventory level below pre-pandemic level. And I asked them, I said, hey, I don't have access to your MLS. Jump into your MLS on you know, the Austin MLS. Tell me how many homes are available for how many people? It was about 1,700 homes available for about a million plus, give or take, depending on how you dice up Austin, you know, greater Austin or whatever, right? So 1,700 homes available for a million plus people. I said, okay, great, uh, 1,700 homes. Now tell me how many homes are available at the median price point and below. That number was 431. 431 homes at the median price point or below for about a million, million plus people. Now I said, pull up the MLS and let's look at how many of these 431 homes are in move-in condition. One of the first homes they popped up had plywood over the windows. It was a complete teardown. It was basically, they should have listed it as land because that's what it was. It was 125,000 dilapidated building that is essentially a teardown. Out of the median price point homes in your market and below inventory that's available, how many of those would you suggest to one of your relatives to go and move into to tomorrow? How many of that inventory is quality inventory on the market. When you think about and you dig into your local data, how low that number is, yeah, it's going to be a long time before inventory levels become normal. I don't care about the 2 million, 5 million, 10 million inventory levels, if they're normal or not. <clears throat> 
some of these above median price point, whatever above median price point is for your market are going to have some big shifts on the market. What are the affordable price ranges in your market looking like? And right now, what we're experiencing is those under median price points. There's a lot of investors swarming. And every time you have a, a, a little bit of a break in prices in 2023, you're going to continue to see people jump in to those price ranges, to those you know investors jumping into those median and, and below median price points. I would hope if you're watching the Hashi that that's you and not the institutional investor. I would hope if you're an investor, if you're an agent and you know the market better than anybody, you're going in there and fixing these properties up and either renting them or putting them back onto the market at a, you know, a profitable but somewhat close to median price point level where you can make a return. That's what I'd love to see for you if you're, if you're into the Hashi, if you're into what's going on on the market. Okay, It's going to be a long time before we see inventory levels go up in those price ranges. Ivy Zellman, who does a lot of research for the industry, one of the great uh, economists in housing, she doesn't believe we're going to get inventory <clears throat> until a lot of these boomers start to shed off their homes. Listen, I, I said this last night on that stream as well. Baby boomers own two, three homes. They own one-seventh of the wealth in the world. Not in this country, in the world. There's like 180-something countries. And 70 million baby boomers, 74, 75 million baby boomers, control one-seventh of the world's wealth. They own two homes. Some of them own three homes. Not many of them want to just put their inventory out there in a situation where prices have pressure. They're using these homes. They're still drinking martinis. Uh, they're, they're still playing racquetball. I, I know. I, I live in Naples, Florida. I'm neighbors with a few of them. They're enjoying life. So they're, they're going to dump off that inventory at some point. But I see a lot of healthy, vibrant baby boomers out there. I don't see them doing anything for 10 or 15 years. Ivy Zellman says when that day comes, we'll finally have enough inventory to meet demand, but we're talking 10 or 15 years out. Logan Motoshami from Housing Wire says, for almost 10 years now, inventory has been slowly falling lower and lower because people get a house with a fixed mortgage rate, and over time, their income typically increases. Job market's strong right now. We talked about delinquencies <clears throat> yesterday on the hot sheet. We're going to talk about those today. They're non-existent in housing because the job market's strong. We're at a 50-year uh, low for unemployment, okay? And people's wages have been rising over time. And so their, their typical uh, income rises, but the shelter cost remains the same. So it becomes a really good idea for them. Th this is why, this is why the homeowner is 40 times wealthier than the renter, because if they fix their cost on shelter and their income goes up, they're in a winning situation and, it, and it's a fixed savings uh, cost for them to pay down low interest rate, right? So it becomes a great deal for them. Inventory is higher than it was last year but we're still working from all time lows. The way that inventory will grow is if mortgage rates stay high enough for long enough and homes take longer to sell. So he is doubling down on the quote I read to lead off this topic from Mike Simonson, the president of Altos Research says, it's going to take a few years of interest rates being in the sixes or sevens 
for inventory to actually increase. Mortgage Banker Association and Fannie Mae believe that we'll be back in the fives to close out the year. So I don't see a scenario in the next few years, unfortunately, where we'll get the inventory we need. And we already know that builders can't build what they need to build to help people on those affordable price ranges. What we've built up a lot here in the last couple of years is our car loan payment. We talked about housing delinquencies yesterday being basically non-existent, or maybe that was the day before. That was in the last couple of days here on the hot sheet where delinquencies year over year in housing are down. Here's the delinquency indicator I do want to take into consideration and I want to monitor because it's indicative of where the economy is going and the health of the economy. Car loan payments push Americans closer to the financial edge with severe delinquency rate, the highest in 17 years. So is somebody more likely to give up their car first or their shelter? Well, Uber exists, so I'd give up my car before I give up my shelter any day of the week. This is from Fortune, this report just this week. Highest in 17 years on the car uh, delinquencies, okay? More Americans have struggled to make their car payments. Banks have warned for months about a potential wave of missed loan payments. <clears throat> now, the most recent data from Cox Automotive for January shows that delinquency rate for loans 60 or more days past due was up 2% from December and up 20.4% from a year ago. Of delinquent loans, 1.8 per 9 percent were severely delinquent, an increase of 1.8 per 4% uh, in December, and the highest rate back to 2006. Okay, th this is interesting to me because we know what happened in 2006. Uh, 2006 was going to, Mark says, we're holding on to our homes to leave it to our children. Th there you go. Now, 16%, Mark, Mark's, uh, I guess he's showing his cards there. I never would have thought, Mark, you were a boomer. Mark Davison, founder of 1000 Watt. Uh, the great agency that has done so many great brands for real estate, fixed them up. And and uh, and so I would have never guessed Mark was a boomer, but 16% of boomers don't have kids to leave them to. And, and that's one of the things Ivy says, you know, that's where that inventory will go out, out to the market. Um, <clears throat> anyways, back in 2006, subprime loans um, obviously was one of the reasons why we had these delinquencies and, and you know, it's just an economic uh, situation that that we went through right the 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 crisis on all these loans but we're back to a high point on car delinquencies like 2006 before we really saw kind of things melt down okay and so this could be an indicator of how much people are struggling right now to make ends meet as inflation remains high and if people continue to struggle while job market is strong and we see any hit to the job market going forward, which the Fed has indicated could happen, this could trickle over into the housing, the housing delinquencies that we've talked about this week being at an all-time low. So the car delinquencies is something I want to keep my eye on. If this continues, this means that the average American, remember the average American 64% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. If these car delinquencies continue to be at all time highs and people start to lose jobs, this will impact housing. This, this will impact 
uh, people's uh, mortgages. Dawn says, been seeing repo trucks rolling, uh, trolling neighborhoods. By the way, Jeremy Knight's in the chat. Uh, he went, he's, he's, we had a, a really good time on real amigos on his live stream for the Austin, Texas market last night. And there was a bunch of trolls in the comments there. I appreciate that here on the Hashi, we don't, don't have as many trolls. I welcome them love to have, uh, their views and their comments. Uh, have you seen some repo trucks trolling some neighborhoods as I'm out showing homes? Um, so this sounds about right. Okay. This is something I, I would absolutely want to monitor because it, it has an impact on the overall economy. The last thing to go would definitely be these mortgages. People need their shelter, uh, but something to consider, okay? And, and also something to consider that I'm considering is where these top cities for the world's ultra rich are, okay? The Real Deal just reported this week that Miami has now made the fifth most, uh, has or made the top five for global wealthy markets, okay? So what are those global markets right now? We mentioned that Florida was made up of nine of the 12 top markets in the country for uh, for the wealthy this year. California had the other three. Miami, which has been on and off the annual list for years, now ranks fifth behind London, New York, Los Angeles, and Hong Kong based on the number of deals, 10 million or more in 2022. Okay, so the Magic City saw 146 sales of 10 plus million dollar homes, 23 of the deals, 25 million or more last year uh let, let's take a look at this i thought this chart was interesting you can get everything oh, apologies there you can get everything in our one link down below for the daily downloads by the way we're thinking about what the daily downloads putting the entire month into one place if you're new to the hot sheet let us know you've missed about seven weeks of daily downloads every single day we give you these daily downloads and all our sources in one place uh with one link down below once you sign up once you get every day moving forward, but we're thinking about curating every single month into one place. Let me know if, if you'd be interested in that in the comments and Bobby can monitor those comments if you're interested in all the month's daily downloads in one place. Uh, so if you if you miss a day or if you miss an email, you can get those into one place. Okay, so relative values, how many square meters of prime property per US million dollars, what it buys you in selected cities. Okay, so Monaco, you get the least bang for your buck, Hong Kong, followed by Hong Kong, New York. Love this chart here put together by Douglas Elliman and Knight Frank's Wealth Report uh, because it kind of shows you the, the space in a visual metric. Okay, so Monaco, Hong Kong, New York, Singapore, London. You get the small space in those, those five. Los Angeles comes in at seven on the list. A and then Miami, you see, uh, you see down here, uh, on the list after Tokyo, between Tokyo and Berlin. Those are the three cities, American cities, where you get the least bang for your buck. We go by square foot. They're doing square uh, meters here, okay? So you see Paris on the list, Sydney. Interesting, if you're a luxury agent, I think that'd be a very interesting chart for you. Certainly, if you're selling in Miami, which just made the top five list, you can show how Miami is getting a little bit more bang for the buck in comparison to some of these other luxury markets. Okay. Uh, and then now we got to talk about the fed. Cause we're going to have this. If you're not subscribed to the BAM YouTube channel, make sure you do that right now. We go live every single day, nine 30 Eastern for the hot sheet. And next week is going to be a really big, important week as we have a lot of information coming out next week. That's scheduled uh, a lot of fed reports today. We've seen the U S treasury tick down. We went up over 4% yesterday. We know that that 
brought the 30-year fix over 7%. Today, to start the day, it's down a little bit. That's good news. Treasury yields have declined as investors are looking to what these Fed speakers are going to say for policy hints moving forward. We're expecting some of the uh, Fed speakers to happen today and going into next week. Okay, uh, Federal Reserve speakers could provide fresh hints about the central rate uh, central banks' interest rate policy plans, which are going to happen later this month. A slew of Fed speakers are expected to speak today. Okay, so we'll, we're going to recap all of this on Monday. Make sure you don't miss Monday's show. And investors will be scanning their comments for insights into whether the central bank will pursue tighter monetary policy for longer. Okay, throughout the week, we've already heard some uh, federal uh, officials say that we need to go higher for longer okay uh at the last meeting we implemented this 25 basis hike but on wednesday minneapolis fed president neil shikari said he would consider a 50 basis point rate hike while the elena fed president advocated to continue at the 25 basis point hike we're going to see what happens if, if you see the uh stock market jump down later today uh, that means they believe that this hike is going to be more severe. It's up right now. So people are feeling optimistic Friday morning as we go into the weekend. Uh, the Dow's up a little bit. S&P's up a little bit. And the NASDAQ is up just a tick as well. Let's see where we are at up to the minute here on the 10-year. We are at 3999. Sounds better than four. And we're down 0 0.063 uh, on the day. So we were at up over four yesterday for the first time since 2022, since the end of 2022, the highest reading uh, since about November, early November 22. And we know that the 30-year fix jumped up when that happened. And yesterday, if, you, if you're unaware, it jumped up for the first time. This year, over 7% at 7.1%. With the 10-year with the trickling down, hopefully we can get closer to 7%. Maybe we can even drop down to 699 to go into the weekend feeling good. One thing is for sure, housing is going to continue to be a bit of a mess moving forward as the 30-year fix continues to jump all over the place. These are just the facts. We've seen it every single uh, time we've hit 7% last year and now this year, where inventory certainly being down, but activity pulls back. So it's going to be a touch and go experience here. Your script that was working three weeks ago is not the script that's going to work now, whether you're an advisor, uh, you know, an agent out there, or maybe you're an investor going trying to buy homes uh, direct. You could put that comment back up and I'll address it. Uh, if you could, John from Chicago, uh, this show. Oh, thank you, John. Uh, helped secure an expired listing. I had so much confidence. I really appreciate that, John. And, and if you're unaware of a podcast that we're doing every single week, Knowledge Brokers podcast. Uh, that's on a different channel. It's on at Knowledge Brokers Podcast. It's still a BAM podcast. Go check it out. We're going to be premiering today's show at 2 p.m. Last week, thanks to those that tuned in, we had a whole bunch of shares and people say uh, similar experiences where they were able to win appointments uh, because of some of the things that Tom Tool and I shared. We're having Lisa Chinati join myself and Tom this week, and we're going to be handing out specific scripts for this seven percent mortgage environment okay so uh if you if you want seven percent uh scripts if you're an agent 
how to talk through a 7% mortgage environment. We're going to be going deep on that. That premieres over at the Knowledge Brokers podcast. So jump over there and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss that. Uh, if you missed any of our content this week, just make sure you subscribe to the channel and you won't miss it again. Really appreciate everybody. I think this is our seventh full week of Hot Sheet. Haley is, is shaking her head yes. I trust you, Haley. All right. Uh, we're, at, we're in our seventh full week of the podcast next week. There's a little bit more travel, so we're going to be all over the place. I'll be in Naples. I'll be in Greenwich, Connecticut, and I'll be in Arizona for Eric's wedding, but we're going to continue to deliver the hot sheet each and every single day. That's our commitment. If the market is open, the hot sheet is open, so make sure you're subscribed. We'll see you next week, and until Monday, toodaloo.